afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen, and we're in history class today. Welcome to history class. Today we are continuing part two of the history of Columbus, Christopher Columbus. This is this is accurate history. This is both the good and the bad. Unlike the author of the book, don't know much about history. On the clip that I played for you yesterday, said, yeah, you know, we tell both sides of the story. We tell the good and the bad, when in fact, uh, we, we're not hearing both sides of the story anymore. I will play that clip again, just just for reference, as we get things um, as we get things going today. But you know, the truth of the matter is that for over five hundred years, Columbus was remembered in America with books, poems, and statues. We we adored him. We loved him. Praise for Columbus and his accomplishments echoed throughout the nation. For example, here's what President Eisenhower had to say about Columbus. The memory of Christopher Columbus, a common heritage of the old and new world, is a source of inspiration to all who under God would search the unknown and advance the frontiers of human knowledge for the betterment of mankind. Out of courage, perseverance, and purpose, and unshakable confidence in his principles, he fashioned a new age in human history. And Columbus was celebrated for those very things as a source of inspiration. You know, for anybody who who wanted to advance knowledge or who wanted to pursue the betterment of mankind or who had courage and perseverance in a given purpose, Columbus was looked to for inspiration. He was revered. He was honored. He was praised. And it, it's been this way, or it was this way, for centuries. So in, in the 1800s, you know, we're celebrating uh, Columbus's 400th anniversary. 1892 would have been 400 years because he sailed the ocean blue 1492. So, uh, he, he, you know, we have... We have the Star Spangled Banner written. It, I don't believe it was called the Star Spangled Banner yet at that point. It's written and it's performed by a boys choir at the Chicago World's Fair, known as the Columbus Expedition, in honor of Christopher Columbus, celebrating the life and the journey and the exploration of Columbus. And then for decades after that, you know, statues are built to, to him. Cities are named after him. The capital of the country has his name on it. Washington, D.C., District of Columbia, named after him. And we honored him for his courage, for, for the qualities that he had. But, you know, something changed. The narrative changed. That's what changed. We had people that started repeating things and repeating things and repeating them over and over and over and over. Until now, we have a generation who believe Columbus was this evil individual. So, uh, you know, for example, uh, let's just pause here. Let's replay the clip from yesterday. I'll set it up. This is a an interview on uh, one of the CBS morning shows. 
And this is uh, this is a good eight years ago. I, I want to say this is probably sometime in, in 2015. Well, D, why are you playing an old clip? Because I want you to see, uh, you know, what's been happening over the years. I want you to see the the and and here essentially. I mean, you're you're not seeing anything. You're hearing. I want you to hear uh, what has changed. You heard me read to you the quote from President Eisenhower, how uh, Columbus was a source of inspiration to all who, under God, would search the unknown and advance the frontiers of human knowledge for the betterment of mankind. That's how he was looked at. All right, so let's uh, let's pause here and let's listen to, to, to the CBS Morning Show. Tomorrow is Columbus Day and the holiday will be observed on Monday. It marks 522 years since the Italian navigator put the new world on the map. For many Americans, that means a welcome three-day weekend. But some are taking a stand on what Columbus Day represents, the beginning of the end for native ways of life in the Americas. They want to rename the holiday. We are joined now by the author of the Don't Know Much series of history books, historian Kenneth C. Davis. Good morning. Good morning. Always a pleasure. So why now? We've known a lot of these things for a while. We have known a lot of these things now. It's, it's interesting to go back and look. It's the way we ch change the way we treat history. In 1892, Columbus was a symbol of progress and enlightenment. That's what the president said at the time. There was an exposition uh, called the Columbian Exposition, which actually was better known as the Chicago's World's Fair. Columbus was seen as this, this uh, idea of exploration and discovery and bringing things to the so-called New World, and it skipped the dark side of the story, that his arrival really marked the end of life uh, for tens of millions of Native Americans, who he, by the way, misnamed Indians. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really a very nice guy, is the No, point. he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> he, he immediately saw that uh, he, he could put these people to work. Uh, the, the, there was forced labor. The, the punishments were pretty d draconian. Mm -hmm. uh, he would chop off hands. He would crucify uh, the natives if they didn't uh, produce their quota of gold. How then, Kenneth, did, did this actually end up being a day? I mean, a holiday here? Interesting. Well, partly it's the way we like to tell history as a story of pride and patriotism, right. and somebody has an agenda. And so in 1892, it was a big deal for America. By uh, 1934, when it became a national holiday, the Knights of Columbus, an Italian-American organization, really was had the political clout to get it named as a holiday that still celebrated those ideas of progress and enlightenment. It's only later on that the scholarship showed how terrible this arrival really was for the Native American people. In the context of the time period, you can understand why the version was started. But why was this sanitized version of Christopher Columbus, why did it continue to be passed down? Because we like to have a sanitized version of history. We're even still fighting over that today in America. Who tells the story? Mm -hmm. uh, we just had a fight over this in Colorado where a school board wanted a, 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 a history that leaves out civil discord and, and, uh, and civil disobedience. But we can't tell history that way. That's not what uh, history is really about. We have to tell the dark and the good side of the story. And, and that's certainly what I've always tried to do. It's a lot more interesting that way. So now there's this discussion about, try, as we see a movement already afoot in a number of places, to, to rename the day and re 
sort of repurpose it, if you will. I'm not sure I'd call it Indigenous People's Day. I might send that back to the marketing department, but... <laughs> well, it's, it certainly caught on in Berkeley, California, and I believe Seattle. Uh, another state calls it Native Americans Day. Some people have tried to go for Discoverers Day, that we should celebrate the mm -hmm. idea of discovery and exploration, which is a, a, a notable idea. But I think it's always a good way to say, let's talk about what this really meant, what, uh, who Columbus was, what his arrival actually meant. Um, we're talking about Ebola right now. Columbus also introduced the diseases that probably wiped out most of the Native American people. So um, interesting connections of past to present. Always fascinating. Kenneth C. Davis, thanks so much for being here. Okay, so there you have the, the clip in its entirety from the CBS Morning Show from 2015. And the female anchor starts off the questioning uh, by saying, you know, we're about to celebrate Columbus Day, but some people are taking a stand uh, against, you know, or uh, against what the what the day actually represents. They're taking a stand, you know, her theme is they're taking a stand against, you know, celebrating this as a holiday because of what the day actually represents. And then she says, it's the beginning of the end for a way of life for natives. This day actually represents the beginning of the end for the way of life. Uh, and then at some point in the interview, Ken C. Davis, who, by the way, is the author, the author of the book, Don't Know Much About History, uh, he makes this statement that the arrival of Columbus marked the end of life for tens of millions of Native Americans. Who he, by the way, misnamed them as Indians. He just has to throw that little jab in. They, the people love to do that. Uh, he misnamed them. He's despicable. And then the other anchor says, he just wasn't really a very nice guy, was he? I mean, that's the point. He just wasn't a nice guy. No, no, he wasn't a nice guy at all. Not at all. So then the uh, female anchor asks again, so why now? How did this even become a holiday? How are we even celebrating this? And Mr. Davis says, uh, well, it's the way we like to tell history as stories. You know, back in the day, we like to tell them with pride and patriotism, but somebody had an agenda. Hmm. Yeah. We told the stories incorrectly back then. We told them with pride, with patriotism. We painted them with, with rose-colored glasses on. We didn't tell the whole story. We didn't give the whole truth. He says it wasn't until later that scholarship showed how terrible the arrival was for Native Americans. Well, that's not true, because we've always had the quote-unquote scholarship available to us. We've always had the letters that Columbus wrote. We've always had access to his journal. We've always had access to the journals and letters from his men, who also wrote. There, there wasn't anything brand new that we discovered here in this, in this storyline. So when he says, it wasn't until later that the scholarship showed how, say that 10 times fast, scholarship showed how terrible the arrival was for Native Americans. That's not true. You know, what, what he actually should have said is, it wasn't until later that we were able to manipulate what we already knew about Columbus. 
and make it seem that it was awful and terrible for the Native Americans. Columbus, you know, as we talked about yesterday, really should be viewed as a liberator. He should be viewed, you know, the way we used to view him. Because either uh, either Mr. Davis is right, and we we found new information, and all of that celebrating way back when for 400 centuries, 400 centuries, for four centuries, four and five centuries, we, we celebrated Columbus as a hero, as an explorer, as a liberator, as someone who showed up to liberate the Native Americans from themselves. And as we got into yesterday, and we'll, we'll get back into it today, there were two tribes that he met. We don't really hear about the second tribe at all. No, no, we don't. We don't hear about the second tribe too much. There were two tribes. And and so for a long period of time, we celebrated Columbus. So either either they were missing it. I mean, was Eisenhower missing it? Uh, it was everybody at the Chicago World's Fair in 1892. Were, were, were they missing it? Were all the people before that time who celebrated Columbus, were they missing it? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, just a few years ago, the enlightened among us discovered the truth about Columbus, that he is despicable. There's the truth. Now, Mr. Davis says that uh, we have to tell the whole story, the good and the bad. And that's what he tries to do, because in his own words, it's more interesting if you if you tell it that way. You know, but they're not. They're absolutely not. We don't hear anything in his account about the cannibals. Mm, no, we don't. And really, we should. So I got on YouTube. I'm, I was just, I'm just intrigued. I just got on YouTube and I just typed in, you know, Christopher Columbus or Columbus Day and just wanted to see what popped up. Go ahead, do it. Try, try your own YouTube experiment. I'm just intrigued, you know, what are the others saying about Columbus? And there is some truth in their, in their comment. It's not all just completely one-sided. Uh, it's probably 99-1. So it's not 100% one-sided. It's probably 99 to 1. And not a, now, it's not to say that they're not out there, but there's not a single clip that I have found on YouTube, which does not include David Barton in it. Who, who comments on two tribes, who comments on the Tainos. I, I, by the way, I've heard that tribe pronounced a bajillion different ways. I don't know what the correct pronunciation is. Tainos, Tainos, Taina, I don't know. Tainos, we'll just call them Tainos. Uh, we hear a lot about the Tainos. And then we hear how Columbus just mistreated the, the natives. We, we, we get that name, and then we hear how he mistreated the natives. There is no mention of the second tribe, the Canibs. They were they had two names, the Canibs and the Caribs. They were they were called both. The 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 word Carib is where we get our word Caribbean, and from the word Canib is where we get our word cannibal. Uh huh, because they were cannibals. Yeah, they would eat people. So Columbus shows up. He arrives on land, plants a flag, uh, you know, has his men, you know, build a cross, 
He, you know, he prays. He offers a, a prayer of, of dedication. The Tainos approach him. They're very friendly. Uh, he has a great relationship with them. He's there on the island for about two months. And uh, they exchange gifts. He, he, you know, forbids his men to exchange worthless pieces of pottery for gold. He says, no, we're going to give them something of value. Um, and and they just have a, a, a great relationship. He They like him. They're friendly. He likes them. He treats them well. But in, in the discourse, they say to him, oh, by the way, we're not alone. We are not the only ones on this island. Uh, there's another tribe out here. And they're evil people. They attack us. And they eat us. Uh-huh. And Columbus is like, what? No, they don't. That's horrible. They're, I cannot believe that anybody would eat anybody else. Uh, you know, he's he's coming, obviously, from a little bit more civilized place. You know, and, and he's, he's shocked by this news. You know, doesn't really... Um, doesn't really buy it. So after a couple months on the island, uh, he's going to go back to Spain. And, um, you know, he's he's got some some things that he's collected that he's, he's going to take back. Uh, some of the natives, the friendlies, have even said, hey, we want to go back with you. He's taken some of them back with him, not forcibly, by the way, what we're told. And that's kind of where we ended uh, our lesson yesterday. So we've had a little bit of a recap and we'll dive back into it. Uh, full force, full-fledged on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. Thank you for joining me on America Out Loud Talk Radio. So we'd like to pick up really where we left off yesterday. So we've we've heard the clip again. We know what the narrative is. The current narrative is Columbus is evil. He's bad. 
when he arrived, he destroyed the way of life for tens of millions of Native Americans. He brought disease. He, you know, he enslaved them. He was ruthless. He was evil. All right, that's the narrative. So we we left off yesterday, where uh, it's the end of his first voyage. He meets this this tribe, the Tainos. They tell him they're not alone. Uh, he doesn't necessarily believe them per se. Uh, he, he he takes some uh, some gold. He didn't take it. He exchanged it for other things. And again, he absolutely would not allow his men to to give the the natives something worthless. They he, they had to offer them something of value for the gold. Some of the natives want to go back with him, uh, which he yeah let's let's go back. I want to show you you know to the to the king and queen. Uh, as they're leaving the three ships, the uh, Santa Maria runs aground, and it uh, and it's just they can't take it. So um, he can't take. There's not enough room for all of his men to squeeze into the other two ships. So he leaves forty behind. Uh, they build a fort, and uh, they call it La Navidad, which is um, means the nativity. And and he says to his men, "Look, I'm coming back for you. We're going to go. We're going to get some plot, some some supplies. We'll be back." So uh, we do know that uh, on the journey back, he writes this letter to the king and the queen, uh, and he explains to them uh, how he absolutely would not allow any of his men to exchange something worthless for gold he's bringing gold back for them and he's coming back with this with this report of success you know this first voyage again it was just a couple of of months that that he was there and and it's it's a success so on april 9th 1943 columbus wrote again to the king and queen about his plans for a second voyage and in this, he's recommending that, you know, more people come along. Let's colonize the land. You know, he's 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 saying, you know, how about 2,000? You know, let's, let's bring 2,000 colonists back and let's settle some villages, three or four villages. You know, that was the custom in the day. So uh, in his letter to the king and queen, he says, uh, that there should be a church and abbots or friars to administer the sacraments, perform divine worship, and convert the natives. That is, that's the point. That's one of his primary missions here is to let's set up churches. Let's convert the natives to the gospel of Christ. Let's, you know, we want them to, to see the truth of the gospel. On May 29th, uh, the king and queen grant his second request for a voyage, and here's, here's what they pronounce. It hath pleased God, our Lord, in his abundant mercy to reveal the said islands and mainland to the king and queen. Priests and clerics will be sent to see that they be carefully taught the principles of our holy faith. The admiral, referring to Columbus, the admiral should force and compel all those who sail therein, as well as all others 
who are to go out from here later on, that they treat the said Indians very well and lovingly, and abstain from doing them any injury, arranging that both people hold much conversation and intimacy, each serving the others to the best of their ability. Moreover, the said admiral shall graciously present them with things from the merchandise of their highnesses, which he is carrying for barter, and honor them much. And if, so, and if some person or persons should maltreat the said Indians in any manner whatsoever, the said admiral, as viceroy and governor of their highnesses, shall punish them severely by the virtue of the authority vested in him by their majesties for this purpose. So the king and queen sent Columbus back on a second voyage with some authority and some instruction. The instruction was, treat the, treat the natives well. Do not mistreat them. Uh, take things so that you may barter with them. You know, give them of your merchandise, you know, as, as you exchange and, and, and treat them well. That, those are the instructions. And the authority that Columbus had uh, was to, you know, punish anyone severely who went against those instructions. Columbus has this authority and this ability. So on September 25th, 1493, uh, you know, we're almost a, a year later, uh, he set sail uh, from Spain. And he's got about 1,200 people with him. And this time he's got 17 ships. His first voyage, he had he had three little ships. He comes back, he announces the success of the voyage. He's got, uh, you know, some of the Indians with him. Matter of fact, uh, you know, some of the Indians actually stayed and lived in Spain and were were part of the of the royal court of the king and queen. You know, that's that's how much mutual respect there was from both sides. It was it was a friendly exchange. So on the 25th of September, this time he leaves with 17 ships and he's got 1,200 people with him. Now, we have to make note of something here. Columbus is Italian and he's leading Spaniards. Not all Spaniards were, were happy about that. He's got 1,200 people going out there with him, 17 ships. And not everyone is pleased to be under the command of an Italian. What in the world? We're, we're Spanish-speaking folk. How dare the king and queen put an Italian over us? And so there's a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of that brewing, a little bit of animosity. We don't see it at the start. But uh, we're certainly going to see it. So uh, they landed in the Indies November 3rd. Um, and they returned to the settlement. They're going back to uh, La Navidad on the island of Haiti. That's, that's where uh, Columbus left his men. He left 40 men from the wrecked Santa Maria. And when he gets there, his worst fears are realized. The Caribs had attacked the fort and killed all of his men. Everyone's dead. All 40 of them are gone. He finds some of, some of the bodies he finds. 
and the eyeballs have been gouged out. I mean, they're not just dead. They're they're they have been mutilated. Um, and they've been eaten. So they were fodder for food. He, he says to the, the chief of the Tainos, what in the world happened? And the chief says, yeah, the Caribs attacked and all your men are dead. Now, uh, I was listening to a YouTube clip the other day, and the YouTube clip says that um, that the 40 men went a-raping, went a-pillaging, uh, and, and they did this to the the friendly Taino tribe. And then it was the Taino tribe in defense of themselves that attacked and killed the men. No mention of the cannibals in this YouTube clip. None of, I mean, it's a long clip. It's like 10, 15 minutes. Not a single mention of cannibals. But Columbus gets here and he says to the chief, who he's friends with, what in the world happened? And the chief says, yeah, it was the cannibals. The Caribs had attacked the fort and killed all his men. Thereafter, Columbus had to resist a growing apprehension amongst the colonists. So the colonists are like, what? You know, these he's got these 1,200 people. You didn't tell us anything about this. I mean, you came back with all this great news, all these friendly Indians, gold. Uh, you know, we heard these wonderful stories, these wonderful tales, and they and they show up. And the men at his fort, the 40 that are left, are all dead and eaten. And these colonists are just like, oh, I don't, what did we sign up for? So now there's this growing apprehension among them. You know, they previously anticipated this marvelous, you know, journey, these marvelous conditions, and it's a whole nother matter. So Columbus goes on the hunt. And he's he's looking for these cannibals because he's going to avenge his 40 men. And this is where, you know, we get the narrative that Columbus was horrible to the Indians. He showed up and the way of life for the natives, tens of millions of them ended instantaneously because Columbus was brutal. Well, <sighs> You know, you would be too if you came back and 40 of your men were dead and eaten. You would want to go on the uh, on the offensive. You would want to avenge the death of your men. And that's what he does. He starts searching the islands for these cannibals. You know, what we later learn is, is these cannibals would go from island to island and they would attack the friendlies on the island, and they would, the cannibals would stay on that island until they absolutely depopulated it. Until they absolutely wiped everybody out and ate them. And then they would move to the next island. I mean, this is a demonic group, obviously. Uh, there's there's something not right about these, these people. And Columbus is, he's on the hunt. He's like, all right, I got to find these people. So, they they come on this village. Uh, there's about 50 huts, and there are no men. The huts are full of women. And, um, you know, Columbus is like, you know, what's going on here? And the, and the women were all captured, and they were part of a, uh, 
you know, the men were off on a, on a eating war party. So what we have here in 1495, Michel de Cuneo, a young Italian nobleman who had accompanied Columbus on this second voyage, recounted in a letter further evidence of the cannibalistic Caribs who inhabited the island. So here's a letter that we have uh, written from a young Italian nobleman. On the YouTube clips, you're not going to hear anything from this guy. Nothing from Michel de Cuneo, who is talking about the despicable atrocities of the of the cannibals. You're not going to get any of that here or there. You will get it all here because this is an actual history class. All right, quote, in that island, so the, they, they found this hut on an island they called St. Maria de Guadalupe, because Columbus loved to name the islands uh, with religious names. On that island, we took 12 very beautiful and very fat women from 15 to 16 years old, together with two boys of the same age. These had the genital organ cut from them, and this we thought had been done in order to prevent them from meddling with their wives or maybe to fatten them up and later eat them. Mm-hmm. These boys and girls had been taken by the above-mentioned Caribs, and we sent them to Spain to the king as a sample, because they wanted the king to know, here's what's going on here. And, and, and we're, we're going we're gonna to bring you some people who we rescued. We rescued them. We didn't destroy their way of life. We rescued them. But you're not going to get that in the narrative. You're not going to get that on any YouTube clip. The Caribs, whenever they catch these Indians, eat them as we would eat goats. And they say that a boy's flesh tastes better than that of women. Of this human flesh, they are very greedy. So that to eat of that flesh, they stay out of their country for six, eight, or even ten years before they repatriate. And they stay so long whenever they go that they depopulate the islands. So they leave their island home, they go to another island, and they stay there, sometimes up to 10 years until they depopulate it, till they have eaten everybody on the island. That's despicable. And this is, this is what Columbus has landed into. Could you imagine landing into that? And, and could you imagine being one of the 1,200 settlers who you're coming back with Columbus on the second voyage? Because you think, hey, this place is great. The people are friendly. And you show up and there's people there who want to kill you and eat you. The letter continues. We went to the temple of those Caribs in which we found two wooden statues arranged so that they look like a pieta. We were told that whenever someone's father is sick... The son goes to the temple and tells the idol that his father is ill, and the idol says whether he should live or not, and he stays there until the idol answers yes or no. If he says no, the son goes home, cuts his father's head off, and then cooks it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but Columbus landing on the island ruined the way of life for tens of millions. That's what we're told. When in fact, Columbus liberated the Taino tribe from this despicable evil. 
Um, I just, why don't we hear this? Why do not the pontificators on YouTube clips and in news shows and in uh, classrooms and lecture halls all over the country tell us this part of the story? Did you know? Did you know that that there were two tribes and Columbus actually liberated one of the two tribes from the other? Tribe number one, he liberated from tribe number two because tribe number two wanted to eat tribe number one. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to read to you a letter um, or a journal from Dr. Diego Alvarez Chanca. Chanca. I don't even know how to pronounce that. I'm just doing my best. He is the chief physician on Columbus' second voyage. All right. So there's a doctor, a chief physician who goes out with Columbus on this second voyage. And you're going to hear how he describes the encounter with the cannibalistic Caribs. And you are going to just be absolutely appalled. Number one, you're going to be appalled at the account. And number two, you're going to be appalled as to why we don't know this and why we're not hearing this. Why we're told one thing about Columbus and we're not told the other. All right, let's pause for this break. We will pick it up on the other side. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio History Version. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. 
Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. All right, welcome back to History Class on the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. And we are rediscovering the truth of Columbus. We're diving back into uh, an accurate history. None of this, um, you know. So I I played the clip for you earlier from uh, the CBS morning show. And, of course, the... The, the author that they're interviewing, Ken C. Davis, who wrote the book, Don't Know Much About History. Uh, you know, he just starts you know, talking about how, how horrible life was the second Columbus landed. Uh, he, you know, he makes the statement that it ended the way of life for tens of millions of Native Americans. And then he he says uh, Columbus immediately saw he could put the people to work. He uh, engaged them in forced labor. He used draconian punishments. He would chop off their hands. And he would crucify the natives if they didn't produce their quota of gold. And not once does the either of the anchors say, so, you, you know, where are your sources for this? Not once. He's not asked to produce any evidence for his claims. They just go along with it. And they both say, yeah, this <laughs> you're right. This, this absolutely ruined the lives of all these natives. Uh, Columbus just wasn't a very nice guy, was he? You know, in his anchor voice. But not once are they, uh, you know, do they ask for sources? And I, I just read to you in the in the previous segment from the journal of Michel de Cuneo, who was a young Italian nobleman, and he's on this second voyage with Columbus, and he's appalled uh, at, at what they have discovered. So Columbus is, is searching the islands. He wants these caribs, uh, cannibs and caribs, that's what they were called. Uh, he wants the, the cannibals. He wants to confront them in battle for killing his 40 men. So I said to you, we would come across the journal of Dr. Diego Alvarez Chaca, the chief physician on Columbus' second voyage. He describes with disgust their encounter that they find. So uh, they come across this village and they find these 50 huts and they're full of women. Uh, the men are gone. And, of course, you know, the men are on a raiding party. Or can we call it an eating party? I mean, they're hungry. All right. Quote, we inquired of the women who were prisoners of the inhabitants what sort of people these islanders were. And they replied, Caribs. As soon as they learned that we abhor such kind of people because of their evil practice of eating human flesh, they felt delighted. So there's some relief here that, I mean, these women, they don't know, you know, who's coming upon them or what's about to happen to them. And they're very relieved and delighted when they learn that Columbus and his men 
are not cannibals. They told us, I'm back to his, his journal. They told us that the Carib men used them with such cruelty as would scarcely be believed, and that they eat the children which they bear them, only bringing up those whom they have by their native wives. Such of their male enemies as they can take away alive, they bring here to their homes to make a feast of them. And those who are killed in battle, they eat up after the fighting is over. So, I mean, these these women are in these huts basically, basically so they can produce children. They're, they're basically there to be raped repeatedly, to bear children. So, quote, that they eat the children which they bear them. So the cannibals would capture women, rape them repeatedly. Once the women bore children, the cannibals would then eat the children. Okay, this is what Columbus has, has arrived into. Columbus was despicable to the natives. He was horrible. But yet he is at this village freeing enslaved women who are you know tortured and raped repeatedly to bear offspring so the cannibals can have breakfast and then uh you know the cannibals are off on their on their raiding parties they if if they capture any men they bring them back to the village so they can eat them and then the men that they kill in battle well they eat right then and there and this is why, you know, when Columbus arrives and to find his 40 men either dead or gone, you know, some of them are left there with just their, their body parts because they were eaten after they were killed. And then other men are gone because they were taken back to the village then to be eaten. All right, I'm back to the journal. Quote, they declare that the flesh of man is good to eat, that nothing can compare with it in the world. And this is quite evident. For the human bones we found in the houses, everything that could be gnawed had already been gnawed, so that nothing remained but what was too hard to eat. In one of the houses, we found a man's neck cooking in a pot. Yeah, I mean, how come, how come the YouTube clips aren't going to tell us about this? The YouTube clips vilifying Columbus. Or the CBS Morning Show vilifying Columbus. How, you know, how, why are we leaving this out? Except, you know, Ken C. Davis says, uh, we have to tell the whole story, the good and the bad. At least that's what I try to do. I try to tell the good and the bad. But I'm going to leave out this part because this part's really bad. We're going to leave out the really bad parts. You know, the parts where, uh, you know, Columbus you know, freeze these women who were, you know, being raped as a baby slash food factory. And then the fact that we came into to one of the huts and we found a man's neck cooking in a pot. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to leave that part out because, you know, we don't want to talk about that. Oh, boy. All right, I continue in this journal. Quote, in their wars of the inhabitants of the neighboring islands, these people capture as many of the women as they can. 
especially those who are young and handsome, and keep them as body servants and concubines. And so great a number do they carry off that in 50 houses we entered, no man was found, but all were women. Of that large number of captive females, more than 20 handsome women came away voluntarily with us. You bet they did. They're like, yeah, we want to go with you. We want to go wherever you came from. It was Spain, this this place, and you guys don't eat people? Yeah, take us there. Absolutely, we want to go. Oh, Columbus took captives. He took native slaves and, and made them captive and took them back to Spain. Except the good doctor here says, uh, you know, that you know, more than 20 said, yeah, we, we want to go with you. Please take us with you. Unbelievable. When the Caribs take away boys as prisoners of war, they remove their organs. And this refers to their uh, genital organs. They castrate them, fatten them up until they grow up. And then when they wish, they make a great feast of them. They kill and eat them. For they say the flesh of women and youngsters is not good to eat. Three boys thus mutilated came fleeing to us when we visited the houses. Because these boys know, you know, they're going to just keep feeding us and we're going to get big and fat and then they're going to eat us. They're going to get us to a point where it's over for us. So, yeah, we want out of here. Um, you know, so they would only eat the babies and the grown men. What is wrong with that? No, this is a serious question. I ask you, uh, what is wrong with that? Uh Think of the evil here. Think of the depravity. You invade a village of friendlies. Uh, you, you kill the men. And the men that you kill, you eat on the spot. You take everybody else as a prisoner. When you get the men back to the camp, you eat them because they're delicious. Uh, you castrate the boys. So they will grow up good and fat, and then you eat them. Uh, you don't kill any of the women, and you don't eat the women, because you need them to, to make babies. And then when they make the babies, you eat the babies that, that come out. Okay, this is, it's evil. It's evil at its core. Um, but we don't hear anything about it. We don't hear that this is what, Columbus came to, to liberate. And he does. So he goes, you know, from island to island looking for these people. And this is the people that he's at war with. He He's fighting them. He's he's at war. He, um, And it's a war that he didn't start. He didn't come to the new world looking, <laughs> looking to kill people and looking to enslave people. Uh, we've already read his journals. You know, we know that between the the third voyage and the fourth voyage, he wrote a book called Book of Prophecies. And in that book, he says, it was the Lord who put into my mind, I could feel his hand upon me, the fact that it would be possible to sail from here to the Indies. All who heard of my project rejected it with laughter, ridiculing me. But he said it, it was God who was inspiring me to pursue this. 
He says, there is no question that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit because he comforted me with rays of marvelous illumination from the Holy Scriptures, a strong and clear testimony from the 44 books of the Old Testament, from the four Gospels, from the 23 epistles of the blessed apostles, encouraging me continually to press forward and without ceasing for a moment, they now encourage me to make haste. Um, you know, in, in other writings, he says that his purpose for going was to share the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says um, in another journal, he says, my purpose was to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heathens and bring the word of God to unknown coastlands. That's that's what his desire was. He didn't show up there to war. Um, he didn't show up there to plunder and pillage the land of all its gold. I mean, sure, he wanted gold, but he 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 freely exchanged other pieces of value for the gold. He didn't steal the gold. There was the, the, there was a bartering exchange, and he was even commissioned. Uh, by the king and queen with the instruction to to barter with the natives, to take pieces of value so that you could exchange it for the gold and to not mistreat them. Those were his instructions. Do not mistreat them. And if anybody does mistreat them as the viceroy and the governor of the land, you have authority to punish them severely. You know, so he gets there and his 40 men are dead and eaten. Yeah, he's going on the warpath. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, he is, he's lambasted for this. So he goes back, um, goes back to Spain, you know, takes more, more Indians with him that volunteer to go. You know, they're not forced to go, but, you know, they want to go. Uh, his the colonists that that he leaves there, they're not good people. Some of them are not good people. Some of them are evil people. They're not really the best people. And so Columbus goes back to Spain. And in between his, you know, his second and third journey, he's he's getting things, um, you know, Put back together on May 30th, 1498, Columbus leaves Spain on his third voyage. And this time he's got six ships with him. He decided that the first new land he discovered would be named in honor of the Trinity, sighting an island off the coast of Venezuela, which coincidentally had three peaks. He gave it the name Trinidad. It has retained the name to this day. On October 18, 1948, Columbus wrote to his sovereigns, the king and queen. He said, your highnesses have another other world here by which our holy faith can, can be too greatly advanced and from which such great wealth can be drawn. Again, you know, Columbus is definitely, he's searching for gold. Um you know, but he wants to go about it legally. He's not interested in plundering. He he wants to to barter, make exchanges. Columbus had sent the first nugget of gold back to his son Don Diego to deliver to Queen Isabel with the following instructions. 
to return it to her so that she may see the miracle of the Lord and remember to whom she ought to thank for it. When Columbus finally arrived, he was greeted by the scene of a revolt. Due to the disease and privatization of the island, his brothers Bartholomew and Don Diego, who had been left in authority, were helpless to put it down. So, you know, after he he goes back to Spain, in between his second and third voyage, he leaves his brothers in charge. They're good men, but they're not strong men. And these, you know, colonists, they revolt and they they decide, you know, we're going to do things our way. We're going to do things we want to do. Columbus was in bad health. He conceded to the demands of the distraught colonists and gave them two ships to return home. Um, due to the turbulent reports uh, the king and queen receive after these colonists get home, they appointed Francisco Babadilla as governor of the Indies in place of Columbus. He arrived Babadilla arrived August 23, 1500. He immediately arrested Columbus and his brothers, put them in chains, and sent them back to Spain. So it's at this point that they're accused of all these atrocities. They're accused of, of crucifying the natives if they didn't supply their quota of gold. They're accused of, of chopping off the hands of natives. But they get back to Spain Um when the king and queen see Columbus, they immediately order his chains removed. Uh, you know, he has this trial in Spain, and they find him innocent of all these charges. It was certainly the revolt of the colonists who were not good people. But Columbus is exonerated. He's charged with these heinous crimes, but in the court, he's exonerated. We don't hear about that. We just... We're just given the, the narrative. Oh, I wish I had more time, but I don't. America, we are out of time. History class is over the bell is ringing. Thank you for joining me today. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List and let's unite to renovate the age.